The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to the Rod and Staff podcast. I am your host, Roger, along with my co-host, Jason. And we have something special for you in this episode because we're actually in person for the first time coming to you from the amazing Northridge, California. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, one of our rooms in our church. So it's exciting to finally be able to be in person for this. Kind of neat new equipment. Yes, and we'll see how this sounds. So if you have any complaints, please let us know. We're going to try to improve. This is a test for our first episode, but I hope that... Uh, you don't hear the dogs barking in the That's background right. from my house. Or the kids <laughs> chanting or anything. <laughs> or the discipline that goes on in the middle of the podcast. Well, And if there is a technology issue, clearly the complaint comes to you, Roger. We want to make that real clear. So uh, that that's definitely true. not my territory. That is true because you might not get uh, what, <laughs> what went wrong. That's right. <laughs> For sure. Well, we're back for another episode, and uh, on this one, we're going to talk about a listener's or answer a listener's question on this episode and the next one, Uh, and we have a big question to answer, a very relevant question, I think, for today, so uh, let's get into it and and talk through this. So uh, talking with uh, a listener, and they asked me this question. They said, is the Bible outdated? Is the Bible outdated? So as we think about that, why do you think this question is common to ask today? Before we even get to that, let's answer the question right up front. (laughs) No, the Bible is not outdated. (laughs) Uh, And and we're going to try to do our best to talk through why it's not outdated. But I mean, yeah, you're right. Why is this question asked? It's asked uh, because partly, I think, because the Bible's old. It's it's. 2,000 years old, at least in terms of the, the last uh, book of the New Testament uh, being written and, uh, you know, close to 4,000 years old in terms of going back to the first mm-hmm. book of the Bible being written. And so the, just the fact that it's old and written a long time ago, uh, people, I think, would assume it's got to be outdated. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't use textbooks longer than, you know, like five, five, ten years. Uh, so how can we use this book yeah. for thousands of years? Yeah, that's that's very true. Especially if you think of how fast things change, even in our day of technology, yeah. something changes overnight. Something's new. Oh, there's always something new. There's new information. There's uh, new knowledge that's that is out there that people are seeking. Yeah. And for something to be old, well, it, it kind of has that connotation. Of, well, something must be wrong with it, right? Yeah. Something. And, and if you think about, uh, you know, what I don't know what version of the iPhone you have, if you have an iPhone, or what what cell phone you have, right? <laughs> Every year, it's like yours is outdated. You buy it, and six minutes later, it's outdated. I think people are used to that, and um, I think that's part of it. I think the other issue is, look, you've got contemporary issues that the Bible doesn't directly, Mm -hmm. specifically address. And if that's true, that it's not directly, specifically addressing it, doesn't doesn't that mean it's outdated? Mm -hmm. It can't handle these current events or, or current topics. I think that's something that people probably are thinking. So what do you think the, those hotbed topics are 
that people bring up that you're not seeing it directly addressed? I mean, I think the big one that we've been talking about with uh, some of the people at the church and we did a series on is the, the transgender issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a lot in scripture that addresses that particular, you know, this dysphoria that people seem to be experiencing? And the answer is not exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think homosexual same-sex marriage is one that people always ask about. Now, we know that it addresses homosexuality, but people like to throw out, well, what about same-sex marriage and a monogamous relationship and things like that? Uh, I know some forms of immigration, some of the racial stuff that's going on right now, how much direct... I, I think there's... At least people don't think it's directly addressing it, and that's a big part of this, too. So really, the conversation is over the sufficiency of Scripture. Yeah, absolutely, which kind of... It's right up your alley with <laughs> biblical counseling, right? Because this is something that's thought of, you know, yeah. in terms of psychology and counseling. Is the Bible sufficient mm-hmm. to address these new things that are arising? Yeah, yeah. And if you don't address the sufficiency of Scripture, then you can't really talk about contemporary issues. Because if you don't understand what the Scriptures are sufficient for mm. or how it connects, then you won't be able to apply it. Then you'll think, oh, it's not sufficient because it doesn't say this. But yeah. that's not even how we interpret the Bible. It's not our hermeneutics to just say the Bible has to address every single thing. It yeah. wasn't meant to be written that way. There is a greater uh, you know, framework or themes that we're gathering from uh, the word that we need to think about. If you think about it, is there any field of study that addresses exhaustively all the current versions or depictions mm-hmm. or iterations of an issue? And the answer is no. Why do you have even legal reasoning, right? You get a framework of thinking and then you apply it to every particular case and you have all this case law built up. And mm-hmm. I think we have to see scripture. I know we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, yeah. but we have to see scripture in a sense as case law that directs our framework, frames our thinking and, and gives us the principles. But I think people have a, a, a bias toward the contemporary. Mm-hmm. I think they, there's this modern, this bias, there's this perspective that, look, science and technology are advancing. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, then then we're beyond the morality and ethics of the Bible, too. We, mm-hmm. I think that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you think about that and you think about contemporary culture, where do you see the challenges in that? in that and in connecting back to scripture because there is culture in the bible it was written in a context right it was written in a specific culture so we do have to wrestle with not only our contemporary culture but what was going on in the culture of those times to truly understand it yeah well i mean i think that's like you said one of the big issues that we have to think about here is the hermeneutical issue Mm. how do we address culture and history with regard to interpretation. Uh, some examples, you know, we think back to uh, Peter, and actually Paul writes about it too in some places, this idea of braided hair for yeah. women, right? Uh, oh, they have this braided hair, and it, does that mean that women shouldn't braid their hair? Um, well, no, there was something about that culture, about mm-hmm. what braided hair meant then. Okay, so the print, there's still a principle that's relevant, that's applicable, that's true, mm-hmm. um, but it's not, uh, it isn't specifically with regard to braided hair. Uh, I think the same is true with head coverings. I don't know if we really know what it means in First <laughs> Corinthians 11, but what we know is that it, it probably doesn't mean that today head coverings yeah. are required for women in the church. Yeah. 
don't know. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's kind of funny because we're asking, we're thinking about two different things. Is the Bible outdated? Mm-hmm. Kind of the assumption, well, it must be. But then we're looking at things and saying, well, wait, are those still for today? Right. So you know, in, in looking at it, you can get lost in the specifics yeah. when you're thinking of it if it's relevant today. And then you got to pull back and say, well, what question are we trying to answer by, is the Bible outdated? What is really behind that question? What's the heart behind it? What's the thought process of, of approaching Scripture uh, with that question? What do you think? I, I think, honestly, the question that, and I don't know if this person who asked the question to you and you know, bringing it to us to talk about was meaning this, but a lot of times when I hear this question is, do I need to submit to this hmm. book, you know, uh, from that many thousands of years ago? Yeah. Is it really an authority over me when it's a bunch of people that didn't even understand today? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's the the question that's being asked often is, do I need to submit to this or are there better resources out there that can teach me how to live? And, and honestly, I think that's just a misunderstanding of what the Bible is, mm. along with the misinterpretation that we were talking about. I think there's a, what is the Bible? Mm-hmm. Is it a textbook to guide us through moral living today, you know, or, or ethics or something like that? I mean, it has those, some of those things, but the Bible is not that, mm-hmm. right? The, the Bible is the story of redemption. Well, it's the story of the fall yeah. And God's plan of saving for himself a people. And I think when we see that, then it changes the story a yeah. little bit for us. Yeah, you have to start at the foundation of why the Bible was given to us. Yeah. What is the purpose of understanding the word for our lives rather than directing everything about our lives and the very specifics it gives us a framework to think through Mm -hmm. who are we who is god where are we going what's wrong with this world the answer is those big questions and i don't think those questions ever get outdated that's right every generation wonders where did i come from every generation worships god whether it's going to be the true god or a god of your own image you're everybody's wondering at a funeral where is that person yeah and where am I going one day? You may not ask it all every day, but those questions never get old. That's right. And so going to a source of truth is going to be something that everybody does. Yeah, and, and think about it. What generation wasn't concerned with death? There's no generation. Every yeah. generation's been dealing with death. What generation hasn't been dealing with the question of what comes after? Is there something mm-hmm. after this? Uh, why are we the way that we are? Yeah. You know, and what's fascinating to me, you know, with the question of is the Bible outdated, I want to kind of turn it around and ask them to think about their favorite philosopher, their mm-hmm. favorite psychologist, their favorite sociologist or whatever, yeah. and, and ask, are they outdated? And, you know, uh, or, or, you know, are they not outdated? Because the reality is paradigms shift constantly, both in the hard sciences and in the, the soft sciences too, the social sciences. Those are the things that are outdated almost from the minute they come out. Yeah. But scripture has really stood the test of time, has, is coherent and corresponds to reality in ways you know that has been tested again and again and not found wanting, it seems to me. 
you know, it makes you think if, if people are always changing, cultures are always changing, and there's not this one source of truth, yeah. then that's the thinking of the day. It doesn't matter if my, if my philosopher I love is now outdated. Let's find the current one right now. Mm-hmm. Now we've come to a true knowledge. Now we understand it's this, this kind of view of we're always learning and growing, and now we gotta we got to be on the right side of history, right? That's the whole, whole movement. And now we finally understand. We get it because we're so smart, yeah. and we understand, but we forget if we rely on human wisdom, our human wisdom will be outdated yeah. in the next generation. I mean, if you think about it, there, there's a, I can't remember the name of the book, but there, there was a book that came out, I, I want to say in like the 60s or 70s, that talked about the, the paradigm shifts that occur in the sciences. Mm. And, you know, we think of the sciences as these hard science, it's knowledge, you know, that, that we can rely on science. Yeah. But I was in a, I'll never forget this, in, at, at UCLA back in the day, I was in astronomy courses in two back-to-back quarters. Okay. Okay. One, the first time I took it, they defined a black hole for us a certain way. I don't remember what the definition was, but, but they defined it. The very next quarter, I'm sitting in a different professor's class going through supposedly the complementary material. Yeah. And sure enough, the professor says, by the way, there's been a recent discovery and now the definition of a black hole is fill in the blank. And he explained yeah. it to us. And it shifted significantly. Yeah. Okay. Some new discovery has changed everything, you know, scientifically. Okay. Throughout the history of Christian theology, you have had some movements, you know, we have the Reformation and things like that, but there has never been something that changed fundamentally. Yeah what we as Christians believe about God, about ourselves, about Christ and salvation. We may have lost it a little bit here and there in certain theologians and time periods, but you're not going to find that paradigm shift. Uh, Or when you do, you know there's something wrong. Yeah, because there have been times where the Bible has been misused, right? right. Misapplied by man. Mm -hmm. And in those time periods, you need to correct that. Because yep. that wasn't correct in how it was used to condone evil. Yeah. And so that has to be. And, and in the sciences, it's a good thing when new discoveries are made, right? Because it corrects what was wrong. Absolutely. But that doesn't make, make science your ultimate God. Like it's not infallible. That's right. Man is fallible. And, and it's the same thing, I guess, when we're approaching and thinking about Scripture. It is infallible, although we can take it and apply it incorrectly right we're not infallible yeah we're not infallible so yeah. we so i mean i might be but i don't know i mean you're no no wait no you are and I'm, i can't remember <laughs> how that goes depends on who's preaching that yeah <laughs> that's right ex cathedra we get to speak no you're exactly uh, right we misinterpret look i i know historically some even solid theologians that you read they get things wrong okay but one of the things is if you go back to the scriptures that's where the correction comes, yeah. right? You go back to the foundation with some of these scientific and technological advancements. You don't go back. You kind of want to keep going yeah, forward and progressing. True. That's one of the problems with those who have that modern mentality. They think, you know, you said it. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Let me, let me just throw it out there. What do you think of that statement that you made uh, facetiously just a minute ago? We're on the wrong side of history. It's a... 
prideful statement to say that somebody has arrived and that somebody knows all truth and that they are the arbiter of that truth because it's popular. It always seems that that statement is always what's popular for the day. And because the majority has chosen what is right, whether whatever kind of ethic is being pushed, then that now is what is right. So it's the majority who is choosing that. There is no foundation for that thought other than this is what we all believe or the majority of people believe. So let's let's condemn anybody who doesn't. Yeah. But where is the argument of why is that true? What is your foundation? Because I want it to be. Because yeah. I've chosen it. You, you, the, you, your argument against another person on that, it, it, it's based on something. Yeah. And, and most of the time it's based on personal beliefs and uh, popular opinion. Yeah, popular opinion is the big one, right? It, it, they say, okay, you're on the wrong side of history because don't you see now everyone agrees for instance, same-sex marriage is legitimate. Okay. Now, what they like to do is they like to throw it back and go, because now think about this. Wasn't there a time that Christians thought slavery mm-hmm. was okay? Okay. And don't we know now that that was completely an abomination to God and wrong and, and God frowns upon it, not frowns, he hates it. And, and so, see, you're going to one day wake up and you're going to find that you're on the wrong side of history okay. in this thing too. How do we deal with that? I think in the same sense, it's there's not a consistency of thought, right? Are you on the right side of history for everything you believe? Maybe one day you'll wake up and realize that abortion is murder mm. and that you've been on the wrong side. Maybe one day you'll realize uh, all these other evils that exist that you believe are true today may change. Mm. Who's not to say the majority won't change. Yeah. Cultures have come and gone. There has been a morality of opinion on what's moral and not moral that changes yeah. over generations and cultures believe yep. and desire different things. So there's no fixed truth to protect one's truth Yeah. if, if you go by popular opinion. So it's the same critique that we have of any kind of cultural or, or yeah, this relativism. Mm-hmm. Because if someone determines what is right and true based on where they are in history, then there's, there's no absolute nature to that truth then. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it's not compelling uh, to follow that because, you know, like you said, tomorrow a new morality may arrive. Yeah, that, that's very true. So even though we went down this rabbit hole, I think it speaks into why the Bible isn't outdated. In a sense yeah. of we're saying we're, the Bible is not outdated because it is speaking truth to us that is fixed and firm. It yeah. doesn't change. Therefore, the question is um, what it says, can we trust it? Can we believe it? Is it sufficient truth? So is the content in the Bible uh, for today? Yeah. Is, is where that question is leading. It, you know, if we're looking at it from a perspective of can we trust the scriptures, where do they come from, all of that, we can we can argue. But then really where the rubber meets the road is how does it speak into our world today because it was written over, you know, a period of history and a different time mm-hmm. and different people? Yeah. Um, is it still speaking into it uh, today? And I think... 
we go back to the purpose of Scripture mm-hmm. to answer that question, um, because Scriptures were written with us in mind. And I think that's important for Christians to understand. Yes, they were written in a, in a historic period, at a, at a period of time, mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a historic moment. But because God is the true author, they were written for his people. Mm-hmm. And that includes people of every generation. That's why you even see in the, you know, you, I think of the Old Testament, I think it's Deuteronomy 6 and, and other passages where the parents are urged to mm-hmm. teach the children and, and remind the generations that come of what God has accomplished. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just for the present, that generation. It's for those that come after as well. So what would you say, if, as you think of how Scripture self-attests to itself, mm-hmm. what, what Scripture comes to mind of thinking of, of, of its own relevancy to today? I mean, some of the passages that were on my mind as I was thinking about this topic, you know, one of them is First Peter chapter 1. And <clears throat> there, Peter alludes to something in Isaiah uh, as well. Uh, but he says, he says this, First Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 24 and 25. Peter says, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Hmm. you know? And what he's referring to there is the gospel, obviously. Peter's saying yeah. this because he's just said earlier that it's that word that gives birth to a new life in you. Yeah. It's not just for, and that was, he's, he's quoting in first century Palestine, AD, something written by the prophet Isaiah mm-hmm. in what? 7th or 6th century BC, mm-hmm. okay? And he's saying it's still as relevant now, six, 700 years later, and we can be confident it's relevant for us today because it's that same gospel that does the work God wants it to do in our lives. Yeah. So if you look at just that one point there, that in all generations, uh, man has a problem, and man needs good news. Man right. is a sinner, and man needs... To- to become right with God, that there is a problem in in every generation with our natural humanity that we're born into. Yeah. Right? And that, that's the good news that has endured throughout all generations, and every generation needs that. That never fades away to say that man doesn't have a problem. If you think, I just think about this world, always trying to find answers. What's wrong? Why did this person do this or that? And, and there's never a satisfying answer. When you start with the perspective that everybody is neutral and good and everybody else messes each other up, the only answer you have is it's somebody else's fault. Yep. But why? What is wrong with mankind? And we find the true answer only in, in Scripture, what's wrong with mankind and what he needs. Yeah. What you're getting at is so important. The foundational questions that scripture asks and answers are the questions that remain throughout human civilization Mm -hmm. and that people are still trying to answer but only because they want to reject what scripture actually says (laughs) 
I, I, I may have shared this story. I know I've, I think I've shared it in a sermon before, but I had a friend who was telling me about an interaction that he had with a friend of his who's not a believer, okay. who was going through all sorts of troubles in his life, just really struggling in every different way. And he called this friend of mine and he said, you know, I'd love to talk to you about things. He said, there's one thing, one rule though. You can't talk to me about this mm. Jesus guy. Don't give me that one answer, right? But if he only knew that yeah. Christ and his gospel it is the answer, you know, like you said, these foundational, fundamental questions about our humanity, about our existence, about our future. Okay, is it outdated? No, because it gives to us the most foundational, fundamental answers to those questions. Uh, and, and it's also not outdated. Look, I was thinking of Philippians 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This idea that it's living and active. Yeah. Right. Has there been a generation that's passed that has not been impacted by the word of God, the Holy scriptures and transformed even. Yeah. Think even of the abolition of slavery. Where did it come from? Mm -hmm. It was actually Christians who woke up to what the word of God teaches, right? And said, we need to make a change. We've been wrong on this issue. God's word is is confronting us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you meant Hebrews 4.12. What did I say? Philippians 4.12. <laughs> yeah, I did mean Leading Hebrews. our people uh, astray. What's wrong with you? <laughs> just testing to see how awake you are. I said Philippians. That's really funny. Hebrews 4.12. I, I think of that passage too because it's so important when you think about uh, just you know counseling in general mm-hmm. and and you think about just our own our own hearts because it talks about how the word of God is living and active. That's right. It's still alive. It's still active today. And this picture is that it can go into man's heart and discern. And you think about that the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I think of it like this, that the scriptures speak into the human experience in a way no other book does written thousands of years ago. The scriptures discern what's going on. What are the motives and intentions of why we do what we do? Scripture exposes that. You think of passages like um, uh, James chapter 2 of what causes fights and quarrels among you? Mm. Why do you fight with others? Because there's a war raging inside of your heart. There's something going on inside of you. Why do we do the things we do? Because we love something. Something's ruling us. Scripture speaks into that experience. Absolutely. Anything from sadness to joy to anxiety to addictions, Mm -hmm. any kind of addiction you can think of, it gives a framework. doesn't use the word you know, the contemporary words we use, but it gives a framework to understand what's going on in the human soul like no other book can do. And it doesn't just leave you there. It shows you what you need, who you need, and who you go to for Mm. that help and that transformation. Um, And so I, I just think of when you think of how the Bible talks about human experience, it's powerful um, and it just over the last few years, really seeing that more and more, it's convicting my own heart because I'm 
you know, it's like I'm guilty as charged as we talked about it. No, I hear you. But it's so important that we don't disconnect the power of the word to speak into who we are at the core level of our being. And honestly, if you look at it historically, it's so interesting. I was reading about someone from the second century today. Hmm. I could have picked up a story from Augustine later on three or four hundred years after him. Picked up a book about Aquinas, maybe, you know, uh, what about uh, six, seven, eight hundred years later than Augustine or seven hundred, something like that. And then pick one up during the Reformation, another few hundred years, and then another one today. If we compared these stories yeah. of how the Word of God, how Scripture actually spoke into their experience and their hearts yeah. and brought transformation, it would almost be like we're reading the same story because we are. Yeah. Right, because we're reading about what the Lord is doing in history and in our hearts, and that's the the, the key is the gospel is relevant every moment of every yeah. day, wherever, whenever, and so the scriptures which are pointing us to Christ to this gospel uh, will always be will never be outdated, will always be relevant. Yeah, that's great. Well, if we're Coming to the end of this, it's a, a good question to think through. Um, any any further thoughts or last thoughts you want to end uh, on as we think about this? Yeah, I was just thinking. Uh, you know, it's a it's a good and important question that Christians should be ready to give an answer to, uh, because it's not intuitive for a non-believer, especially, to understand the relevance of this two thousand year old book. And so for the, for the person who asked the question, whether for, for themselves or for others, it's just really important. We have to think about it. Yeah, there are cultural historical things that we are dealing with in Scripture that application-wise certain principles are changing and adjusting. And so we need to be able to say, yeah, you're right, that there are certain things that look different today. But in terms of the core reality, what the Scriptures yeah. actually are, the revelation of this gospel, this good news of who Jesus Christ is, the promised one, the promises of God, those things are always needed no matter what generation. It will never be outdated, and and he, and he appears to us in the scriptures. And so uh, just kind of keep them. So be ready to answer this kind of question or at least think through it with someone and help them to understand what the Bible really is. So don't get caught up thinking, well, it's a, it's a rule book or, you know, it's a yeah. bunch of, uh, you know, uh, it's like a textbook. No, 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 no. It's it's this revelation of the the, the Savior, the promise uh, come in Christ. Yeah, that that's great. That's great to remember and submit our hearts to as we think about it. It's not the answer book to every curiosity uh, we have, but it answers the ultimate question that everybody is asking. Yeah. Even those who aren't asking it with their lips, we know um the message of the Bible and how it connects. So we don't need to fear those types of questions. Right. We can be confident that his word speaks into our experience of being lost, needing a savior and that savior being presented to us in the word. Amen. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode and our first in-person episode and that the quality isn't too bad. We're going to keep testing this and improve. Um, And if you have other questions you want to ask us, feel free to send in emails uh, to us. Uh, You can reach us on Facebook. 
Um, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast, and we will we'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff Podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.